You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Do not adjust your phones or your laptops or whatever you're watching this podcast on. This isn't News at 10 and it isn't the two Ronnies. It is Dilly Ding, Dilly Dong, the Leicester Mercury's Leicester City podcast. I'm Rob Tanner. Joining me now with a desk in front of him is James the Sharp and Sharp, who will be looking at your comments online as we uh, go through um, today's podcast, uh, reflecting on Leicester City's performance in defeat against Liverpool the weekend and all the other news that's been coming out of the King Power Stadium and what's been an eventful few days with the international transfer window closing and a few contracts getting sorted as well. But uh, we'll kick off, James, if we can, with today's uh, Leicester Mercury, your five things. We'll talk about Liverpool first. And uh, you picked out a few talking points and there's a couple I really wanted to talk to you about. Let's let's reflect on the performance overall. Positive, but in defeat still but still some plenty of positives. Yeah, and again, I mentioned it in there, a lot of it is to do with those slow starts that, that Leicester are having, um, where they're just really slow out of the blocks. They've done it all, every game so far. They got punished for it at United with the early penalty. Got away with it against Wolves when they hit the post three times. And against Lampton, they had to come from a goal down. And you always felt that like if they started slowly against a team like Liverpool, that would come back to haunt them a little bit, and and so it proved because well, they got um, a let off, didn't they? After four minutes, inexplicably, Mo Salah missing and practically an open goal, didn't he? And I mean, Swagger pulled off a pretty decent save um, to Di Mane, and then the follow up for Salah, which he put wide. Yeah, I mean, and that that was a bit of a let off um, for Leicester straight away, and one where you expected Salah to score. It. I think we all basically almost turned away to to look at it. Um, um, yeah, I mean, had that gone in, then um, Leicester would have been further behind the eight ball. But again, when Mane got got through and put them ahead, that's something that um, was, diff- was difficult. Yeah, but talk about um, the second, the first half as well. The second half of the first half, um, it's pretty impressive um, the way City came back. But then they shot themselves in the foot at the set piece just before half time. Yeah, that really was. Oh, that was that was that was really annoying because I mean we'd said just beforehand that. Um, that we just wanted to get to half time because Leicester had almost had the, the momentum. They were, they were, and after the first goal went in, they were they were almost like dominating. You would say without really creating too many chances. Um, but Leicester, but if you can get to half time, Paul can think right, lads, we're still in this game, we're still on top. We're only a goal down. We get back into this game. The crowd were up for it, but then at the last minute. Madison just drifts off at a set piece. Firmino nods in, and you almost and you two nil down, and then you've got even bigger mountain to climb. Well, I asked um, Mark Brighton after the game about um, who designates who to pick up who at set pieces. He said, for a while now, we've been uh, zonal marking at set pieces, and the record uh, at set pieces has been a lot, lot better. But it looked like the man marking to me when you watch the replays and Madison picking up Firmino and trying to track his run. But then Firmino had a clear run for the header and. 
it was really soft goal to, to concede, I thought. I mean, for people under eight, Firmino in the air, he won headers against Wes Morgan and uh, Harry Maguire during the game, so he's not a slouch in the air. Uh, so to put someone like James Madison on him, who's not the biggest lad in the world, to mark him at set pieces, I think was tactically a bit naive. Yeah, perhaps. And I, I, mean, I asked Puel about it in his post-match presser, and he he said, "Look, we we Madison's young, we're young, and they they do have moments where they will switch off, and Liverpool use their experience well just to take their time to take the free kick because they have it on one side and then win it on the other side, and they just." meandered over to take it and then it looked like they were running down the clock because they're happy um, to be one yeah, so then they got an extra bonus. Yeah. then they got an added bonus by nodding in a second goal which really just took the wind out of Leicester's sails both on the pitch and also in the stands second half City were the brighter team that caused Liverpool lots of problems I know there was a lot of Liverpool fans a bit critical of their team uh, for their performance in the second half, um, you know, family relative of mine is a season ticket holder at Anfield was saying there was a lot of Liverpool fans taking to social media, uh, really quite unhappy with the performance in the second half. But you've got to give Leicester City credit for that, the way they went about it, the energy, the athleticism, the desire. Um, summed up, I think, in many ways by Papi Mendy, and we'll talk about him uh, in, in a little bit. And they got that goal back, although you know it was not a, a goal that City crafted with some fantastic play, and they did play some good football. I thought, I mean, Alisson dwelling on the ball, Kelechi and Nacho taking it off him and passing it to Rashid Gazelle for his first Premier League goal. But uh, did you ever feel like that, that equaliser was going to come later on? Um, I felt that Leicester were causing Liverpool problems. Um, whether I felt that Liverpool were ever completely rocked by Leicester, probably not. I think, they, I think the hope would have been that after that, Ridiculously hilarious Allison error. Was it what, seventy-five million pounds worth of Van Dijk with a rubbish back pass, and then Allison, my dad would say, arses about with it instead mm-hmm. of just booting it long. Great to see, actually, great to see Ian Acho chase him down because you don't really associate that. That was almost Vardy-esque in the way mm-hmm. that he harries Allison down. Whether it had been a something that Paul had told his strikers to do because of how Allison played against Brighton with that little dink over knockout, I'm not sure, but. But the way to see him Harris and press was really good, and obviously they got the rewards by by setting up that first goal for Gazal. Again, Leicester were dominant at the end, but it's unfortunate that they couldn't quite find a way over the line. Well, let's talk about the, the number nine position because obviously Vardy was serving the the last of his uh, three game ban, and uh, much to the delight of the Liverpool fans because he scored seven in five previous league games against them. Um, this time it was a bit of a change. You just mentioned Ian Nacho, who came off the bench. Mm. He had been deputising for Vardy in the previous games. Damari Gray was given the job of the number nine role. How did you assess his performance? It was a difficult game for, for Gray and I, I feel for him a little bit really because it's a position where he's still learning it and he's still he's inexperienced in that position. I know a lot of fans were, have been moaning that Leicester were playing without a recognised striker. In Puel's mind that's not what happened. Because in, in, in Puel's mind, Gray is a rec- is a striker. Campbell is a striker. Has the attributes to be a striker. So it wasn't as though he was trying to be clever and play with a false nine or anything. He he believes that Gray can play as a striker. We're all yet to be convinced by that. I think he's played there for England under twenty ones. He's played there in pre season, but in a game like against Liverpool, where you need that experience 
to, to make those runs to, to be able to put their defence under pressure. I think Gray struggled early on to do that. But it was always going to be difficult for him against a team like Liverpool. And I think we saw, I think his performance raised more questions about him in that position than it did answer questions about it. Well, I thought it was notable early on, uh, Michael Brighton, who instinctively plays balls around the corner, but behind defences for Vardy when Vardy's playing. Played an early ball for for Gray and Gray hadn't read it, hadn't anticipated it. it was on his yeah, he's gone one way, hadn't he? Yeah, yeah. it just uh, and Michael it, Michael Brighton would play that ball a dozen times in a game for for Jamie Vardy, knowing that Vardy would be on it. But that I think, but Gray did learn from that, and uh, he did start playing on the shoulder a lot more after that. Yeah, because he forced to save Malison, didn't he? Because Gazelle yeah. played him through and um, almost kind of. Get a bit Vardy run across the defender, and then he, he shot across goal, which Allison saved. It was a good save, I thought. That's they're the kind of runs that if Gray is going to have a future as playing as a, as a striker, especially in Leicester's team, those are the ones that he needs to be making more of the time. Having said that about that, and you're right to point that out, that was a good opportunity for City, and probably their best that was their best for the, mm-hmm. the first half. Besides the Madison uh, shot that was blocked by Gomez in the second half, and a few Gazelle. Um, crosses that flashed across the six-yard box. They didn't really test Allison. Yeah, the one that like just bounced off Wes Morgan's shins. Yeah, because... and there was another one just before yeah. that everybody missed as well. So they didn't really. I mean, and I think that game and this little spell with Vardy out emphasises how important he is to them now. Mm. He is absolutely vital, uh, Vardy, because he gives them that cutting edge. He carries that threat that I don't think with the amount of side City have got. No, I think you're right there, and we've always. We've always known how ruthless and brilliant Vardy is, and we've all we've all speculated in the past as to how difficult it will be when Vardy's no longer here, when he when he gets when, when age catches up with him and, and and so forth. Although recently he's been like the president of America, hasn't he? Four more years, yeah, exactly, Four exactly. More years, so keeping him up to thirty-five. But, um, I know there's fans are concerned by the attacking options for Leicester and how. Without him, they do look a little bit powder puff in front of goal. The problem Leicester have had in the past is, in terms of signing new strikers, is that they don't really get the chance to play or to, to, to develop or to be to be ready-made because Vardy always plays. Because if Vardy's fit, Vardy plays. And Vardy is the best striker that Leicester have and is one of the best strikers in the Premier League. We saw it with Ahmed Moussa. He came in but never really got a chance to settle or got a chance to play and that didn't work out. People, a lot of fans are still complaining that Leicester let both Slomani and Ujoa go when they offer something different. I think Leicester hope in the future that Ian Acho will, will develop enough and grow enough to be able to replace Vardy in the long term. But at the moment, without him, I know they won at Southampton without him, but they do lack, especially against the big sides, we want to know how good Vardy record against the top six is, they do lack that cutting edge when it matters. Well, let's talk about somebody else that caught the eye. Um, certainly he's made a very strong start yeah. to his Leicester City career. Uh, Rashid Ghazal, he's one of your five things, mm. his performance there. Inevitably, he's an Algerian, 26-year-old Algerian, left-footed player who plays on the right wing. There's going to be comparisons made, isn't there? Understandable. I know they might be unwelcome because people think that might put um, more pressure on Ghazal as he tries to get up to speed uh, with the Premier League at City. But... They're very different players, aren't they? Yeah, I know the club are very um, keen to play down any comparisons between uh, Gazal and his predecessor. As we've said, as you've said, that is difficult when both of them are Algerian internationals, they both have legs like little pipe cleaners, who both 
on the left footed, play on the right wing, cut in, have bags of tricks, like to dribble. They are essentially the same player in style. The problem that Gazelle will have is that Mares is brilliant at doing that. And what Gazelle's shown though is that there is certainly some talent there. And while he probably will need time, he scored. Not, I, I didn't. Want, I wasn't there in the Fleetwood game, but scored, right, scored right, a cracking yeah. goal. Yeah. And then followed it up again. And Puel praised him for that again on Saturday, saying it was good to see consistency. Played well on Tuesday, scored a good goal, and then showed it again at the weekend. Some really dangerous balls into the box. It was his pass through to, to Gray for that first chance. While he will need time to... He will have some off days, and he, will, he won't be that influential all the time. He's shown that there are there is room to be. There, there's quite clearly talent in those boots, isn't there? Oh, and he tackled as well. He made, made three tackles. Well, we noticed at the, the start of the game, because I thought when uh, Ricardo was named in the side that well, Brighton might play ahead of him because of the way those two work together against Wolves, um, covering for each other. Ricardo loves to bump forward and all Brighton gives you that little bit of in, uh, insurance. But Gazelle did it in the opening 15 minutes Ricardo went bombing forward out of position. Yeah. There was a big hole behind, which Liverpool deliberately were targeting that area um, down that side of City's uh, back four. But Gazelle got back and covered. Yeah, because when the team news came out, um, I tweeted this at the time saying, oh, it's good to see Albrighton and Pereira starting again because that link down the right was so effective. Only then to, to notice, well, hang on, Gazelle played that side, so will he, be, will he offer the same thing? And it's a huge positive that he did do that. Absolutely. Um, we talked about the decision to play Gray ahead of Inacho, yeah. uh, one of Puel's um, decisions. What about the other one to bring on uh, Danny Amate? Uh, when, when City are chasing the game, yeah. take off James Madison, who'd had a very good game, yeah. uh, and bring on a, a right back. Now, Puel has been hammered for this on social media. I mean, we were sat in the press box, and when the decision was made and the board went up, I think at least three national journalists all turned towards us to kind of say what, what, what was he doing as what, if we'd know yeah it's like <laughs> what, what is he doing um, now on the face of it it does look bizarre to take off your playmaker and bring on a makeshift right back now call me a Puel apologist if you wish but there is uh, there's certainly as I wrote today you can if you look at it beyond just on face value there is clearly reason there Madison had started excellently as he has done but was fading. If you look at this, about 14 minute spell before he got taken off, Madison touched the ball four times and all of them in his own half. So he was no longer having that influence on the game that he had in the first half. We've seen that quite a bit this season. I think some of it's probably because he came off the back of a, of a bad injury end of last season. So, And then you add into it the extra intensity of the Premier League. Maybe he's not quite ready to play a full 90 minutes at full pelts yet. So he was fading. The reason why I brought Amate on was so that he could drop in at right back and then Pereira, who had been causing problems going forward, could then move to the right wing. Gazelle jumped over to the left and then you've got two attacking wingers still playing. So he wasn't bringing Amate on to have the impact. He wanted Pereira to have the impact by moving forward. And he had no other attacking options on, on the bench. No, and I think really. Pereira did that. But I, think Pereira, I think it was Pereira that won the free kick right in the, towards the end of the game um, where Leicester were looking for an equaliser. So... It might have looked bizarre, and it did look a little bit odd on face value, but I think when you look at it, you can see why why he made the change. Well, moving on to another player. We've dubbed him the caretaker, and we're sticking by that. He is the caretaker from yeah, now on, because he, he mops up everybody else's messes. Uh, Papi Mendy's performances continue to impress, don't they? They do, and 
mean, you can tick this one off on the cliche bingo um, uh, sheet, but he is like a new signing because of how he's, well, he wasn't here last year, he was on loan at Nice. And I think when he was named in the team sheet to face Wolves, I think some fans genuinely had forgotten that he was still here. Um, but since then, he is. I think in the games that he's played, he's been either Leicester's best player or in their top two or three players. I was concerned to begin with that he might be too similar to Ndidi and that they might be a bit too defensive, but they've formed a formidable partnership. Ndidi's like, winning the ball all over the place, whereas Mendy seems to... Uh, he's the janitor, isn't he? Like, he just he sees Messi's coming and it's almost like he's in this kind of school corridor and someone drops a drink, but as it's falling, he spots it and then just sticks that mop in underneath it just to clear it up before it happens. And he just, he's just really good to see. He just kind of just, just scuttles around clearing messes up. And it, it's having a real great impact. It's allowing the rest of the players to have more of an impact. And you think it, it might be able to allow Ndidi to be... I do. I think Ndidi should be encouraged to get forward a bit more now. I think he's, he's a natural athlete. He's big range. He reminds me of Patrick Vieira, but he's got to add that... Attacking element to his you game. You tried to ask Claude Puel about that. Didn't I know, you? he wouldn't buy it. He wouldn't buy it that he was the new Patrick Vieira. Um, but he is um, that sort of rangy sort of player. He can get up and down the pitch. I think he can get in the box and cause problems as well uh, with his height. Um, and I think Mendy gives him that. Have you been impressed by him? I have. I've been. Re- I mean, when we first saw him, he got injured on his debut against Arsenal, and he was never the same player against. We never ever got to see the real Papi Mendy and, and Paul said that didn't he when he saw him at Nice last season on loan even then and he'd played a number of games by then he said he wasn't the uh, Mendy he remembers when he was managing him uh, before so um, if, if this is the Mendy that City signed for £13 million which was then a club record yeah. then great they're finally going to get um, their money's worth out of him but uh, it's uh, a great start to the season for him but are we talking about one of your stories that's going to go on the, the mm. website soon he's not the fans player of the month no, not yet. I mean, also we always ask fans after, at the end of every game to rate all the players using a little handy widget to give them scores out of 10. Um, and we, we keep track of those. And in the top four, Mendy is in the top four. Uh, it's Mendy, on average, Mendy, James Madison, Ricardo Pereira and Damari Grove-Clown is the top four. So fans can now go onto our website. And vote as to who their player of the month. Or the oh, so there's still time for them to vote. Oh yeah, for the play- totally. Oh right. So well, you have to break on here. I've got plenty of stuff. Yeah. Got loads of time to fill. So if you want Mendy's your player of the month, go to the uh, Leicester July website and uh, use the widget to to, mm. to vote for him. Now let's talk about um, moving away from uh, Leicester. It was quite an eventful end to last week. Yeah. Um, with the international loan window shutting, um, we were expecting a, a flurry of loans because the the squad is quite swollen. At the moment, but only two went out. First one, we'll talk about Bartis Kapuska yeah. going to Louvre. No real surprise there. He's, he needs to get his, his career going, doesn't he? I mean, we've said this before on the, the podcast. It's something that uh, he desperately needs to do now. His, his career stalled badly. It's, yeah, because well, it was the year 2012 that he was seen as this. You know, no, it wasn't. Which one was it? 16. 16, yeah. Um, as seen as the bigger, as this Polish wonder, wonder kid, kid, yeah. yeah. Uh, and um, Garolinica called him a, an incredible talent or something and when Leicester signed him there was quite a lot of genuine hope there but for one reason or another it's just not happened it's stalled he's a bit lightweight for the Premier League it's just not really happened Leuven is a bit of a, a bit of a halfway house for him isn't it because he can go out and play some football not the greatest it's not the greatest standard but there is Nigel there yeah, yeah exactly and, and, then it, and it also means that 
he's not too far away in case he does start to blossom again then he can just be scooped back into the mix so there's him it looks um, like they haven't given up on him then no uh, you know because I, I mean that. some 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 Polish journalists got in touch with us and, and, and mentioned that he might have been given the chance to go back to Poland to play and Leicester had, had opted not to do that and to send him to, to Lubin which does suggest that they are holding up a bit of hope for him well, they're giving him at least another chance to try and to try and improve and show that he has got some future here so it'll be interesting to see how he how he comes along there well we were expecting Kapusha to go out alone we weren't probably expecting Filip Benkovic no. <laughs> then he just joined the club three weeks before in a, a 13 million pound yes, that famous um, Simpsons granddad gif where he just walks into the bar puts his <laughs> puts his hat down walks around picks it back up again and walks out again it's that kind it was of thing, here, yeah. nice to see you now see you later yeah. Um, but yeah, apparently he's uh, in an interview with the Daily Record because he's moved to Celtic on loan for the rest of the season he's revealed that it was his idea and he asked Puel to allow him to go out on loan because when he signed he thought there was a chance that they might sell Harry Maguire to Man United when that didn't happen he realised then that he wasn't going to get much football so um, asked for a loan away and thought Celtic was the best one to help him um, adapt to British football um, for, quite brave of him really for a 21 year old mm. who's fresh into the country at a big club like Leicester I think that takes not only a bit of guts, but also I think that's really intelligent for a young for a young lad like that to say, "Look, I, I'm probably not. I'm probably going to be featuring in the in the 21s a lot. I'd like to be playing first team football to be able to get myself ready to to them fill in when I need when I'm needed." I think that's a really good. I think it's a well, it's quite it's a brave, but it's also quite a, an astute move on Benkovic's part to say, "Look, I want to be playing first team football. And if I can't do it here, why can't I do it somewhere else? Because it's going to only benefit Leicester in the long term." But when he is, when he is the future of Leicester's defence, and he is going to play, he's got he's got more experience in his in, in his legs and in, in his body, and he's ready to go. I think that's, I think it's quite a good move for him. There was a couple of other loans we thought might happen, yeah. but they didn't in the end. Danny Simpson and Andy King they're not featured at all on the first no. team. Two of the um, title winning squad um, didn't even feature at Fleetwood. Did no, they didn't Fleet and they weren't even in the Caribou uh, Cup squad. Um, so we thought they might have a chance of going on loan because City could still loan to the Championship or Football League or go abroad uh, but nothing happened there but still their future seem in limbo yeah and I think I mean, it's a bit disappointing really that that neither of them have been able to, to get uh, like a loan move away to get them some football because they, they need it they deserve it and yeah, it's going to be Difficult for them now because they're not gonna, they're not they're not going to feature in in, in Puel's plans because well, we've seen that we've seen that he for Simpson he prefers Pereira and Amati there. I know some fans would rather see Simpson ahead of Amati, but I'm I'm probably one of them. Yeah, I'm probably one of them. Um, but I, I can see Puel was looking to the future with the 23 old yeah. Amati, and he thinks he's got a scope to we'll earn that position. But I think, for example, the, against Liverpool that opening goal. When Robertson barges uh, Ricardo over, he probably doesn't. If, if, if Danny Simpson, I I know it's you know in hindsight, yeah. and it's very hard to. Simpson probably wins sure. that ball. I think Simpson defends that situation, but yeah, that's Paul's decision. Yeah, I mean, I can I can appreciate people's disappointment in not seeing Simo in there, but it's clear that he won't feature. And with and with King with the, with with the plethora of midfield options that, that Leicester have got now, especially with the reemergence of Papi Mendy, King is. Way down that list, we've got Ndidi, Mendy, Ebora, Silva, Chowdhury, Matthew James coming back. We already know that that Puel rates Matthew James highly. King is just way down that list, and he's done so much for this 
for Leicester. He's, he's such. Um, I know some fans get on his back now when he when he does play, but what he's achieved at the club, you can't help. It is legendary status. He's been there at the club, whether they're at their bottom. He's won the league, won the championship, and the Premier League with Leicester. He deserves some form of recognition, but he deserves to be able to continue his career and play. And that's not going to be at Leicester. So he, he, I'd have liked to have seen him get a move elsewhere. So how how his future is going to going to play out at Leicester until January? I don't quite know. Well, one player that certainly got a Leicester City future because in the midst of all the madness of the international transfer window, City announced that Casper Schmeichel had signed a new deal uh, to keep him at the club to 2023. Five-year deal for the goalkeeper. That's a big uh, contract, isn't it? It's it's hefty. Um, and it won't, won't be cheap either. No, from what we understand, it's around £25 million I learn over five years. That's a big, big contract. It is. And, um, I mean... It, I'm not overly surprised that they've given him a new one. There was a bit of talk about about him maybe if being sniffed at by Roma and, and Chelsea, but I think again, it's whether you agree with the length of contract or not, because again, it will take Schmeichel towards into the more the twilight of his career, you might say. It's still a, it's still a show of. Not defiance, but it's a sh- it's a show of ambition from Leicester's owners to say, look, these are our key players. They're going to stay here. We're building something here for the future to have real success at Leicester. Long, not just winning the title on on the off season, but for long term consistent success. To do that, we need our best players here. And if they are here and they are going to be performing, then we're going to reward them. So back off other clubs. These players are here. So they've done that now with Vardy. With Schmeichel, with Ndidi. Trying um, to do it with Harry Maguire now. Trying to do it with Harry Maguire. So that is, that's the spine of the team, isn't it? They're well, it's a, they're long-term contracts. I mean, Vardy, four years. Taking six years from Ndidi. Six years. It's the longest contract that City have ever handed out to a player. Six years for Wilfred Ndidi. But I think these contracts, what people might still... Again, with Vardy, people might look and go, well, you're paying him all that money until he's 35. They might go, well, is that not... Is that really good for business? Well... I don't think, certainly think it is. And I think these contracts make more sense than the ones they dished out at the end of the title-winning season, which almost felt like they were dishing them out as saying, well done, thank you for bringing us the incredible. Here's a really long four-year contract um, that's going to leave us struggling to get you off our books when the time comes. These ones feel more like, here. these are our big players who can get us success if they are here for the long term. So we're going to nail them down to contract to keep them here to get that forward. Well, I'm off now to discuss uh, a new contract with my editor as well. See if I can get five, six years. I'll be happy with that, the way, the way things are going. Um, anyway, so thank you very much um, for joining us today on Dilly Ding Dilly Dong. Uh, go check back on Leicestershire Live. We've got lots of stories from and reaction from the weekend. Um, so you can check back on all the less city details and we'll be looking here later in the week yeah. as well to the historic day when England come and play at the King Power Stadium yes. against Switzerland so we'll have lots of nice features coming up in the head of that so um, it's a good night from me good night from him <laughs> and the two Ronnies here at Leicestershire Live